0: Okay, welcome to uh, the Five Things podcast brought to you by Grey Group and Social Media Week. And this is for the week of the 16th of December. So this is actually our last podcast before the holidays. Uh, We won't all be together to record prior to then. So had some theme music I was gonna play, but it's not working now. Uh, We're actually, there it is. I know, right now Toby's frowning what at me. Theme is that Dan. That's my jingle bells, right? Toby, don't don't oh, ruin okay. don't ruin the holidays for me, man. Um, so we're not bring back... bring your jingle bells to the office day. It, 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 that's what it is. Thanks, bud. We're not back until um, we record the Five Things podcast live at CES in Las Vegas the live. week the week of Jan six. Uh, because we will be out there, Gray will be out there, and uh, the Social Media Week team will be out there, so we're going to be doing some live recordings from Vegas. I hear the tickets are already sold out, um, so don't try buying those. Um, I want to introduce who's here today. Right, so firstly, let's go around the room as usual. Um, Toby Daniels is dialing in. I think, I think we're going to have pretty solid sound quality, but um, he's not in the studio in person. Hi, Toby.
1: I miss you guys. Did that Was that a deliberately pregnant pause? Um, it, but, uh, well, I listen, I don't want to bring up sound quality issues, but um, maybe it cut out for a second, I'm not quite sure. But <laughs> Hi, everyone, great to be on the show. Um, sorry I can't be there in person. It's OK, mate, we're happy to have you here. Uh, and then we have
0: uh, Joey Scarillo with us, our project manager here at Grey. And we have a, a new a cameo today from Andy Yancho. Did I say it right? You did. Andy is an experiential producer also here at Grey. Uh, And then complimenting our uh, group is Kenny Gold, our North American head of social media. Hello, Ken. Hello. So we are going to cover today, now we've got all the housekeeping stuff and the uh, crappy jingle bells out the way, uh, we're going to cover today five things, as we always do. And uh, Toby's going to start us, but let me run through the list quickly. We've got Instagram enforcing their 13-plus age requirement. That's going to be Toby. Um, Joey is doing... Snapchat testing Cameo, Andy's going to take uh, Essence Cosmetic... esic One second. Listen, it happens to the best of us. Essence Cosmetics, introducing their first virtual influencer. Kenny is dealing with Pinterest announcing wedding content cutback. Thrilling one, that one for you, Ken. And then lastly, Kenny's also taking Facebook announcing uh, Google Photo Transfer Tool, which is quite an interesting one. So, without further ado or a dither, Toby Daniels, Instagram enforcing 13 plus, bud, what you got?
1: Well, uh, this continues a theme that has emerged through the Five Things podcast over the course of the last few weeks. We've talked a lot about the ways in which the platform companies need to, um, you know, Uh, provide um, better guardrails, better protections, ways in which we can kind of safeguard the well-being of the people using social media. This speaks to one specific aspect to that, which is age limit, which, of course, is super important. In fact, this week I got into an online debate with a whole bunch of people about what is the appropriate age limit for social media. But just as importantly, what's the appropriate age limit in terms of giving young people smartphone devices, um, something that also needs to be discussed and debate. And I think the larger point here is we need to have age limits across the board. This will ease, I think, a lot of pressure from parents, uh, make it much easier, uh, easier for us as parents to be kind of um essentially following a standard set of guidelines so specifically what's happened so instagram announced that they will now enforce users to provide their age when joining the platform so moving forward users younger than 13 will be denied access when attempting to create an account uh what does it mean specifically um well though first of all they won't be requiring existing users necessarily to provide their age um but they will be embracing more responsibility to protect underage users on the platform going forward uh the key thing here is, which I, I, you know, just have to kind of raise as a potential kind of flaw, um, is that really all they're doing is asking you to add your birth date. Um, um, and once you add your birth date, you can verify yourself as being uh, 13 years or older. Um, what are the ways in which uh, people can um, uh, sort of, you know, circumvent Um, that process, well, you could always just put in, uh, a fake, uh, birth date, much like accessing, um, a a website that is promoting alcohol, um, where you have to sort of verify your age. So, um, if, if one desperately wants to get on Instagram and one is 12 years old, um, how easy it is for you to be able to do that pretty straightforward, I'd say. So it's an important message to be putting out there. I think we need to be consistent, we need to have standards. Uh, I think 13 does feel like an appropriate age. Um, I just don't necessarily think um, this or any of the platforms are doing enough to really um, uh, enforce um, the age limits. Um, so, in, in many ways, more needs to be done. But, would love to kind of hear other people's thoughts. Can just I, let the me, in the room. To- Toby, just,
0: just to do it, just to annoy him, Kenny just literally poked me in the neck. And then I turned around and he was like discounting me with his finger. So, I'm only interrupting so that I can ruin Kenny's flow into the next one. On you go, Ken.
2: Thank you. <laughs> I can, I'm not swayed by your, you know. We'll say about that. That. (laughs) Um, So I think last week when we were talking about empathy and and the 404 Social Media Week, Facebook, Gray, and various other partners were hosting Empathy Days, the, the conversation was not around what the platforms are specifically doing in terms of how old you have to be to be there. The conversation was about how do we educate and evolve the next generation of digital citizens to be empathetic and thoughtful about how they use the channel. And I think that's really the discussion. The discussion is at what age can someone responsibly use these channels to communicate and network and connect with the people in their lives? So ultimately, the platforms can do it and brands can create content on those channels for those people. But at the end of the day, I think this is about a uh, creating the right education program to create empathetic and responsible digital citizens. Um, so it's a nice move from Instagram. Frankly, this Facebook did this exact same thing as many, many years ago on their channel 13. What was the cutoff? I think a lot of advertising regulatory groups have said that you can't market to people under the age of 13. Um, so it's a pretty standardized thought, but it leads the question of, um, you know, how do we create more responsible digital citizens? They
0: haven't. They haven't said that. That's a law. The, the, the capture compliance law is 13, right? So let's not let's not be uh, let's not give them too much credit. They they had to limit it to 13 because that's at the age at which they can start selling space to advertise to them. And I think Toby's right. If they really wanted to put a stake in the ground and try and ensure that these channels were not used by children, uh, you know, under 13 there are other ways they could go around ensuring that those people weren't just putting in different birth dates. Is it that hard for them to, for example, put in the gatekeeper, i.e. a parent, into it and therefore perhaps have the parent put in the last four of a social or something, something that might be slightly harder to to rig, not impossible, but harder to rig for a 13-year-old because if all you have to do is scroll slightly further around on that date wheel to say that you're 13, it's it's easy that's an easy one
1: i i think i think to round this out it you know we we need to see changes across the board regulatory changes the platforms need to step up and work harder and it's not like they they're, they're lacking the resources to be able to figure out these problems um, as an industry that we need to do more and I think that the, uh, as Kenny pointed out the work we're doing um, with the 404 and through our Empathy project and programs is definitely Im- important. Um, I think there needs to be more guidelines and, and you know, much like when you sort of you know, secure a license to drive a car, much like um, accessing social media that there needs to be some type of sort of driver's ed equivalent to educate and help young people as they sort of like on ramp to social media for the first time. Um, and as parents, you know, there is an obligation and a responsibility to make sure that, that you know, you're um, fulfilling you know, your responsibilities as, as much as all of these other entities as well. So I think this is an important thing. It, it, again, much like so many of the things that we discussed in this past podcast, you know, it sends a message, um, but, the me- but the message kind of lacks substance in regards to the actual application of, of what they're proposing or, or what they're implementing.
0: Agreed. All right. Uh, thanks, mate. We're going to move on to... Actually, I'm going to bump Kenny up so he's not doing two in a row here, and we're going to throw... Um, our, our, our newest appointed wedding correspondent, Kenny Gold, is going to handle Pinterest announcing that uh, they're having some wedding content cutbacks.
2: Yeah, this is really interesting and in, in seeing how channels are reacting to... Uh voices and culture and and how they make themselves more user-friendly across the board pinterest along with brides zola martha stewart weddings the knot and wedding wire announced that it will cut back content on uh that promotes weddings at former plantation sites so really interesting thought here uh, they're trying to figure out how um with these popular wedding planning platforms they understand that they're uh, indirectly contributing to a multi-million dollar industry, and according to the New York Times, the development came in response to a targeted campaign by Color of Change, a racial justice organization. Uh, The group's president, Rashad Robinson, said his team had submitted emails requesting a dialogue with these companies back in October. So the fact that the platforms are reacting to that's really interesting. It'll be curious to see how brands react that market in this space, but it seems like it's a long time overdue, and uh, I, I, for one, really enjoy seeing the platforms take a stand and understand that what used to be considered okay, it wasn't okay then, but uh, they're really taking a stand against it now. So definitely an interesting thought uh, coming out of Pinterest and all of those publications.
1: Well, I would add to this uh, one thing which I think is important. As an industry, we tend to crap all over these things by basically just reacting and responding Uh, by suggesting, well, they're not doing enough and why is it taking them so long and how come this was even a thing in the first place? But the truth is we absolutely have to get behind and give recognition for the platforms when they do make these kind of decisions, because nothing will encourage them to do more. And of course, they have to um, than, than us giving them the necessary kind of praise that they deserve. So I, I'm all for it. I think it's really important. We should definitely be getting behind it as an industry, because it will put pressure on um, you know uh, the platforms to, and and the and these sites to do more in this regard. So bravo.
0: Uh... Yeah, I, did, did I say Pinterest or Instagram when I introduced that? Second you said Pinterest. Point? I did, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I was perhaps I was still too focused on the first point. Right um, I haven't <laughs> even had any eggnog yet. Oh, Christmas banter. Right.
2: Jeez.
0: <laughs> Number three, Joey Scarillo. Let me give me here. I can't remember what it was. Number two.
1: <laughs> Yeah, but it's number three because
2: I oh, mixed up the I see order. How you're doing Don't
1: it. get in the way of the moderator. No, no, fair enough. Kenny? Uh, yes. it's, it's centrally important to being the host of Five Things is being able to count. Yeah, I've at least to
0: five, and I've mastered that. Uh, Joey, Snapchat testing Cameo.
3: Yes, so another uh, new feature uh, Snapchat has rolled out so far in France and then announced that on December 18th it will roll out globally Cameo. Uh, it's a deep fake like uh, creation tool. Um, they've, basically, what happens is you take a selfie and you can put your picture over a bunch of GIFs. They've rolled out 150 so far. Um, I don't know. I think this is really interesting. It'll be another fun thing to, to play with over the, over the holidays. What do you think, Kenny? Deep
2: fake culture.
3: Deep fake culture.
2: This is, this is 2020, is going to be the year of the deep fake. Yeah, totally, but like I don't I'm not worried about
3: deep fakes over, you know, a background of like ice cream and like dancing,
2: you know, penguins or whatever, right? Are there you... is there is the feature at surface level and yeah. then there's the potential of what people can of do course. with it. And I think you've got like if we look at this from a macro perspective, what are the channels giving us access to do? What I like about this in particular is Snapchat's really doubling down on being the best friends network, the place where you message with people individually. And they're creating more tools to help make that a creative and emotional experience. They know who they are. They're sticking to who they are. They're not trying to be everyone else like some of the other platforms that see a feature, acquire it, and integrate it into what they're doing. So uh, I dig it. I think it's cool for those that are using Snapchat. It's just one more toolkit, uh, one more tool in the toolkit to be as creative as possible when talking to your friends.
3: Yeah, and I do feel I do feel a sense. I do feel that sense of like security with. You know, taking photos on Snapchat and playing around with the features that they're not going to become public or they're not going to go anywhere. I'm not worried about likes. Uh, So, yeah, so this actually, while deep fake culture does freak me out, anything on Snapchat really doesn't anymore because, you know, I can make. It looks ugly, but I can make myself look like a it's woman weird. on. It's weird, but it's like it's on, playful fun. It's like innocent. <laughs> exactly, like I can I can put myself in that little dancing <laughs> like mascot thing, and like oh, I don't even care. I <laughs> wish I would have just boomeranged that. that. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> and and my little Bitmoji, I make yeah. him dance everywhere. Yeah, oh, if you bitmoji. follow, him, I put that on Instagram. There's a
0: so let me let me. I agree. I just want to
1: jump in. Yeah, I, go ahead, do you think twenty twenty will be the year of the deep fake? I also think it's the opportunity for deepfake detection technologies to exist if they don't already. And I think we're going to see a lot of investment in that regard, which is going to be very interesting. Uh, I don't really have much more to say on this other than to say that whenever Joey speaks, it's like someone is pouring liquid gold into my ears. Uh, So it's always nice to to have you on the podcast, Joey. I, I I should add two things, actually.
0: Toby stole my point, so I have nothing to add. Um, <laughs> but it is, a good, it is a very good point for those of us that are, or those people that are concerned about deepfakes. One of our other partners is the uh, Betaworks Studios. And a lot of the companies they're working with and investing in are actually the deepfake detection companies. So there seems to be that there's going to be checks and balances uh, readily available for this stuff. The second thing uh, is on Joey's voice. Uh, and, and I should have mentioned at the top of the, the podcast that he actually has a cold today. And, and it's particularly, uh, uh, what would the word be, gruff? Because yeah. he's under the weather and he's still here, and I, I, I love you for that, Joey. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks
3: for breathing on me and giving me this Absolutely. cold. Absolutely. And thank you for the compliment, too.
2: It's so, okay. Andy has a cold too, and she's so, breathing
3: I on me. We're be all sick. be sick. I, I hope my voice isn't described as gruff. No, I, I'll describe your
0: voice after <laughs> after a your piece. Raspy, before maybe. we do before we do your uh, thing, which is number four, I want to play this again as an intro for you because you joined us here. Ah, hey. oh, yes. Yeah, thank you, my, my new theme song. Guy, I'm doing all our own sound effects this week, mate. <laughs> right. Uh, so, Andy, you're going to talk to us about Essence Cosmetics introducing their first virtual influencer.
3: Yeah, this is interesting. A little, uh, little new stuff on the influencer marketing network. So, beauty brand Essence Cosmetics introduced their first virtual influencer named Kenna. Uh, Essence claims that this is the first cosme- They are the first cosmetics brand to launch a virtual influencer and they'll be using Canada to give social media followers behind the scenes information uh, such as how certain products uh, are developed and her life uh, as an intern for their company. So what does this mean? Uh, Virtual influencers are pulling just as much engagement as human influencers. So this is tapping into innovation that gives fans a unique buying experience. I think this is a new approach to influencer marketing, kind of interesting approach given that. Uh, most people like and follow their influencers for their point of view, right? So, if this is a virtual influencer, how how are you going to be able to trust the products, especially with cosmetics?
0: I, I so I I realize actually, Andy, I'm looking at the our five things uh, newsletter here and the picture of yeah, uh, what's her name, Kenna? Kenna. I didn't realize that was her. Yeah, it's that, totally she a, looks like a human person. She's
3: totally a Kenna. You yeah, know? she's
0: a Kenna. She looks like a Kenna, but so so. I don't know a great deal about uh, cosmetics, uh, as you can tell, by the way, I've applied my makeup today. This but... is
3: why I took this one,
0: because, you know... Well, uh... I didn't want to, I, yeah, I didn't want it to appear <laughs> sexist, or, but I do have a, a fairly uh, so, some recent interesting experience in the sort of virtual, and we've discussed the deep fake space. There are now uh, a couple of modelling agencies that have gone into business specifically to represent virtual models right so there's that side of the business that's growing and it brings up this big question of um representation and believe it or not rights for uh virtual spokespeople and virtual models and that's probably a different show for us to cover that but it uh, it is the tip of a very very interesting iceberg in terms of how uh, these virtual celebrities if you like are perceived lil Michaela being a a, what's what's lil Michaela's following on instagram now ken look it up for me but it's a lot Right? So you're talking about an 1. individual 1. Million, in that case. How like many It's a lot. One point 8, like, eight million. One point eight million, right. Yeah. So controlled and run by a company behind that graphic, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, th- I, I think it's fascinating. I think you know if you look at it cynically from a brand perspective, you're talking about the ability to limit royalties and those sorts of oh, things. Totally. So it's a very cost-effective and cost-efficient way of doing things. Yeah.
2: Everyone was freaked out like eight or nine years ago in Vegas when they started to have those virtual dealers. And now it's like, and ha! then- ha! Kenny, yeah. that's such a specific <laughs> just Kenny just, Gold <laughs> example. <laughs> the um, Vegas example. Yeah, it was like, come play roulette. Yeah. And now it's like becoming, no, it's, it's gonna be the marketing trend of the yeah. next decade.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one.
2: Uh Toby, uh, do you have anything to a
1: quick comment on this if yeah, I may. Mate. So the other way to look at this, I, I we can look at this through the lens of like influencer marketing. I, I think that limits I, the 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 sort of the the potential or the creative possibilities that we're like really looking at. Um, First of all, I think there's Instagram and and other platforms, perhaps TikTok can be thrown into the mix, um, you know, is is being used and experimented with as uh, in terms of it being a new creative canvas for people, uh, for storytellers, for artists, for creators, whatever they might be. Um, Little Michaela, yes, you know, you can argue is an influencer, but it's a character. She exists within her own virtual narrative and the possibilities in terms of where you can take that story and that narrative and how you can develop that character and then where ultimately it can end up, um, you know, as, as the audience builds and becomes fully engaged in the life of this particular character, um, it then becomes, you know, um, a, a, a sort of like a, a grassroots um, um, breeding ground for character development that can ultimately end up on the big screen TV and in other uh, places. And I, I just think because as as a creative campus for storytellers, that's the thing that's most interesting to me, less so uh, the fact that this is an opportunity for brands or, or an opportunity necessary for this just to be like, you know, uh, Uh, Another component part of the the larger influencer marketing space
0: next time. You're not able to be in studio for the podcast Toby I suggest we put some money into building a virtual Toby Daniels All right, Um, I'll leave that there Um, Lastly number five Kenny gold Wow, we riffed through them today number five is Facebook announcing Google photo transfer tool.
2: Yeah, so what happened, Facebook announced a photo transfer tool that it will will allow users to seamlessly send and upload photos from Facebook to Google's photo, st- photo storage service. And through this feature, uh, it, it's gonna roll out first in Ireland, and then there will be a global release in the back half of 2020 ultimately being able to bulk export media will allow users of facebook to great have greater control over their data and according to techcrunch this marks a collaborative effort that started last year currently being backed by the five biggest tech giants apple facebook google microsoft and twitter and they have committed to building a common framework an open source code that can connect any two online service providers and enable a seamless direct user portal of data between the two platforms and as we uh start to see this come to life more. It just creates more of a seamless connection that I think users are pining for. Um, nothing massive to debate here. Um, it's just nice to know that this is coming and all of those great photos from uh, my epic college days where I truly peaked, uh, I will now be able to export to Google Photo Storage.
0: It's uh, nothing, nothing more Christmassy than hearing about Kenny Gold peaking. Um, yeah, I, I don't know whether I just spoiled your fifth thing there or if Toby wanted to jump in. Toby, did you have something to add? I heard a little uh, squeak out of you there.
1: <laughs> Sorry, mate. Oh, I'm just, I'm just sitting here remotely squeaking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not, not a huge amount, more of a question for Kenny. So, it, you know, is it actually something that you will do?
2: Um, it depends, right? I think people, especially when it comes to where they st- store their photos, where they do their email, where they manage their calendar, people like to streamline it down to one service. If you're someone who lives within the G- Google ecosystem or the Microsoft ecosystem, this connectivity to allow you to store things uh, in multiple places and have access to it uh, in perpetuity becomes super strong. I also think if you want to take a break from Facebook, if you want to take a break from one of the social platforms, this also gives you access to your data without having to worry uh, that you're going to lose it. So will I actually use it? I don't know. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily the right person to answer that question. Uh, but I do think that creating open source, seamless uh, collaboration between the big tech giants will make it very easy for people to behave digitally digitally the way they would like to behave. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think we, 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 we're not talking about data per se, we're talking about obviously content and, and, and photos. I mean, I know that that is data. But I guess my, my point is, we're not talking about the portability of all of our data necessarily, um, although that is increasingly becoming more straightforward. Um, but I guess my question is, is this a signal that platforms and Facebook perhaps leads the way that they are going to make it easier for us to, um, you know, to, to pour our data, take it with us and plug it into other platforms or, or are we just talking about a simple photo portability feature and nothing more?
2: Um, I think currently it's a photo feature, but it is indicative of a shift that they're probably taking on.
0: Yeah, I think it is too. Um, all right guys, that's it. That's five. Uh, how about this? (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's a creepier Santa than I was expecting. Um, Toby, Toby Daniels, uh, thanks, bud, for for dialing in remotely. It's it's been, uh, I think it's been good. I, I think we're we're not going to be back until the second week in. Um the second week in January, I think that's when CES is. So we're going to be coming live from CES, as I mentioned. So we're a couple weeks hiatus. Happy holidays, everybody, all of you.
2: Happy holidays, everyone. And,
0: uh, and, and, and uh, we'll see you sometime back in the new year. So thank you, Toby Daniels, Joey Scarrillo. Happy holidays. Thanks, bud. Uh, Andy Yancho, Kenny Goal, myself, uh, Dan Bennett here at Grey. So from Grey and Social Media Week, happy holidays. And we will see you in uh, 2020.
3: The Five Things is produced by Andrew Petit, Joey Scarillo, and Christina Torres, and recorded at Townhouse Studios. GRAY is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Social Media Week is a leading conference and industry news platform that curates and shares insights, emerging trends, and best practices with the world's smartest digital marketers. GRAY is the exclusive global creative insights partner for Social Media Week. Check out more at Gray.com.